Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for the Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Douglas Vermarine. Douglas is the producer and director of three of the top ten personal development movies ever made, The Opus, The Gratitude Experiment, and The Treasure Map. His latest hit film, How Thoughts Become Things, premiered this past April. For the past 20 years, Douglas has also researched the success strategies from business leaders and companies like Nike, Reebok, Fruit of the Loom, FedEx, American Express, UGG Boots, Uber, KFC, McDonald's, Disney, United Airlines, Microsoft, and shared their success secrets on films and in his book. ABC Television and Fox Business refer to him as the modern-day Napoleon Hill. Douglas is a regular featured expert on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, CTV, and CBC. Currently, his program, Personal Power Mastery, is rated as number three in the world of the most powerful personal development seminars. And his Personal Mastery book is an international bestseller. How Thoughts Become Things goes deeply into the nouns of personal reality creation. The film features a few of Douglas's friends, such as Bob Proctor, Dennis Waitley, John DiMartini, Joe Vitale, John Azaraf, Marie Diamond, Travis Fox, and Dr. Karen Perkins. Douglas and I will be having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, his film, How Thoughts Become Things, and how you can achieve your goals and succeed in life using the techniques shared in the movie. Good morning, Doc. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing excellent. Thanks for having me on, Johnny. Fantastic. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me. I really enjoy watching and learning from How Thoughts Become Things. Congratulations on this release. Thank you. We had so much fun making it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It was a wonderful movie. Sometimes you're looking at movie, okay, all right, it drags on and on and on and on. But the movie was precise, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> to the point, oh, thank you. don't blink, you'll miss it. <laughs> and I love it from that standpoint of view. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a yeah, quick walk through your life from childhood to the present moment. <laughs> Well, and we I have the whole uh, hour, by the way. <laughs> oh my gosh! So we could go quite detailed on this. To, to be honest with you, I'll keep it to the highlights that I think are most valuable. Uh, yeah. You know, really, I, I was raised in what I consider the poverty pattern. In other words, um, mm-hmm. my parents were in the rat race, very deeply entrenched. If they wanted to make more money, their idea was, is of course, work harder, right? And mm-hmm. so, uh, <laughs> you know, that's kind of the environment I was raised in. I didn't really understand or have any access or exposure to personal development. But um, when I was about 19, I also thought I needed to get out and and trade time for money. I needed to work hard. And Mm -hmm. as I did that, it didn't really give me the results that I was looking for. And to be honest with you, I was kind of discouraged because I didn't do well in school. And I thought, oh, no, okay, so like I'm destined to this rinse and repeat cycle of paycheck to paycheck that so many people experience. And at about that time, a friend gave me the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And as Mm -hmm. I read it, not only did I have these insights in terms of who I could possibly be, but suddenly now I kind of got a little 
I guess, jealous of Napoleon Hill because he had gone out and he'd interviewed more than 400 of the world's top achievers. And, you know, the saying that says we become like the five people we spend the most time with, right? So I recognized I needed to level up who I was spending time with. So I went out and I started myself interviewing and learning from top achievers wherever I could find them. And ultimately, I got to more than 400 of the world's top achievers, just like Napoleon Hill. And people started asking me to come out and speak about it and to talk about it. You know, like, what did Richard Branson teach you? What did, you know, the founders of FedEx <laughs> teach you, right? Like, they were right. interested. And so soon, um, you know, I was actually even invited onto the media, and the media started calling me the modern-day Napoleon Hill. And mm -hmm. from that point, we really wanted to get these lessons out because these are the things that change people, right? Like, there's a lot of really great teachers that are out there, very well-intentioned, but most of the time, the life coaches or business coaches coaches or those training, they kind of got their information from someone else's book or another seminar. Most of them have never right. really done seven and eight figure kind of success, right? So mm -hmm. I had something unique. I literally was meeting with more than 400 of the world's top achievers, billionaire business leaders, people who created international brands, won Academy Awards. And so I had a really interesting blueprint for success that nobody was talking about. And so um, that's kind of even what led to making the movie. So I did a, my, my first movie in 2008, the movie The Opus, and it mm -hmm. featured many of the main people from films like The Secret and, you know, many of the top achievers that I'd interviewed. And so it, um, it really kind of all took off from there. Everybody was excited to sort of see what we had to, to share. Very, very interesting. Looking back, if we use this as a point of reflection and contemplation, when did your inspirational journey began? Question, Johnny. I think that there were a lot of things in my life that um, really kind of led to sort of who I am and, and what I am and the success of mm -hmm. I, um, I don't know if I can even really pinpoint it to one, but I think the thing that's kind of interesting, if I could maybe kind mm -hmm. of consider, um, you know, one thing that, uh, that kind of made a, a difference really for me it was even just a realization of personal responsibility, that everything is in our hands, that we all have a choice. And there's a little saying that I kind of developed along the way that says, if you own it, you can change it. So when we have personal responsibility for what, you know, we, we really want in life and we recognize that the outcomes are actually within our hands, we can really achieve a lot. And so for me, that was probably a big realization that started everything. Very, very interesting. Is there a difference for you in your sense of awareness? Obviously, you tap into a frequency out there. Definitely, because awareness mm -hmm. is actually the first key to anything. And, um, you know, it, awareness is, is kind of one of these weird things that a lot of people, when they're talking about it, they think it's kind of like a light switch. You either flick it on or you flick it off. You know something mm -hmm. or you don't know something. And that's not really true. Awareness is very much like a dimmer switch, right? Um, mm -hmm. It goes really from darkness slowly to light, and we become more aware over time. And as we become more aware, we actually begin to recognize that we have more choices. And as we have more choices, actually, it's funny because people talk about happiness is a choice, right? But mm -hmm. that's only part of the equation. Happiness is actually a choice, but being pleased with the consequences that arrive, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the mm -hmm. best consequences that we can try to build for ourselves is not only the feelings of peace of validation and so forth, but the ability to expand even more awareness into more choices. And the more choices that we recognize in our lives, the more freedom and happiness that we have, right? So I'm, I'm so glad that you talked mm -hmm. about awareness there because that's, that's the foundation. When you were growing up, were you a quiet person that just sort of observed everything to be more aware or were you just sort of... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. That's Got a into question. the groove. Yeah, I guess you'd have to ask my mother. I suppose there's certain things mm-hmm. I was shy about, like most kids. Yeah. But then there were yeah. certain things that I really enjoyed and I felt confident with. And I think that that's the same with everyone. When we're in our area of conf- like confidence or what I yeah. call our brilliance zone, right? Like all these doers nowadays, I think they talk too much about getting out of your comfort zone. The truth is right. you need to get into your brilliance zone. What are you really right. good at? What are you really excited about? What really do you have a competency with? And what do other people recognize value with you too, Right. And so Mm -hmm. as a child, I suppose, in the areas that I was brilliant, I felt confident in the areas not so much. Like if you ask me about math, physics, chemistry, any of that, I'm going to be really quiet. (laughs) I have nothing (laughs) to say on that, right? It's it's not my strength. But everyone has a gift, right? And so that's the blessing that makes us all unique, right? That's what's exciting. Very, very interesting. So coming back to the various high achievers that you were able to get in, right by with them and learn their secrets. What actually fascinated you about them when the whole journey began? Well, you know, what's kind of interesting is I think that that also changed over time. There were things in the beginning that drew Mm -hmm. me to them. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I think like most people, I was very excited by the idea of wealth and finance and money and Mm -hmm. all of these opportunities that, you know, from the outside looking in, it was exciting, right? Right. But um, if, if it was, um, you know, something like, um, you know, later on, there were people that actually just their values really drew me to them. In fact, you've heard it said that your network equals your net worth, right? Right. But what right. I found even more important than that, it's not net worth doesn't mean just money, right? Net That's worth right. has to do with what people find worthy. Like, what do they find worthwhile? What are their mm-hmm. values? And so as I began to level up my network, my own values began to change. Um, you know, it's interesting that if you think about it, when we're born, we all arrive into a set of existing programming, meaning that our mm-hmm. parents have been programmed by their parents and so on and so forth to the beginning of time. The culture, the community we're in, everyone has a set of programming that's already there, and that's what we arrive into. And oftentimes, you know, sometimes the things that we value and that we decide are worthwhile um, really have a lot to do with that programming. Even the possibilities, what we think you know, will work for us or things that will support us have a lot to do with Mm -hmm. that programming. And I found Mm -hmm. that as I began to level up the people that I surrounded myself with, my values, my programming actually changed. In fact, the interesting thing is, is most people always think that your programming is about when you were a child. Well, the truth is, is we're always being programmed. You're even being programmed right now. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Right. So even the show, those listening to it are being programmed, right? So true. So true. Could you recall a situation where your determination wobbled? You seem to be very persistent, very focused, right? This is a gradual process. It is a journey. So when you look back in time to whereby that pivotal moment where you really thought, oh, my God, this is probably the worst time of my life. Well, I I think everyone has moments like that. And I think that that's something Mm -hmm. that we also talk about in the film. Like One of the things Mm -hmm. that I think is a misunderstanding is that in order to manifest what your thoughts are, to find your thoughts, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You always have to be thinking positive and optimistic and hopeful, and you can't have any negativity enter in and so forth. And that's actually just not possible. As humans, you know, uh, we have always, you know, thoughts that are on both sides, good and bad. Right. We don't just have one. In fact, if you you look at how thoughts arrive, they always arrive in pairs. Every single thought does. You know, when you have a positive, exciting emotion of something that you'd like to do or try or accomplish – Right behind it comes the thought, maybe you're not good enough, or maybe you don't know enough, or you don't have enough resources or support or information. So thoughts always do arrive in pairs. 
So I don't know that that's exclusive to me. I think it's just part of being human that mm-hmm. we all have that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and certainly, you know, the thing that's interesting is when those double thoughts arrive, like those two thoughts together, they, they don't arrive empty. They arrive into an existing set of programming. So when they land, one of those might be a little bit more biased. Like if you've got family, friends, or relatives that have always said, you can't do it. There's no entrepreneur yeah. here. There's nobody that's a success here. Even when a good idea arrives with the challenging thought right behind it, it lands within that programming and it's influenced by it, right? So true. It is. In watching the movie, for me personally, I tend to look back and look at pivotal moments in my life. That would be the best way to put it. True. Which way did I go? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of moments, what I call the hinge, right? Where, yeah. you know, obviously there's some choices that we make day to day that really don't carry a lot of weight. There's not always right. a lot of con- like consequence, like whether you wear a pink shirt or a blue shirt or a red shirt today, it really doesn't matter, right? Like it's not the end of the mm-hmm. world. Um, mm-hmm. But there are some choices, for example, who you decide to marry, uh, who you decide to, um, you know, spend time with or whatever. Those are all mm-hmm. things that are different, right? And they do matter. Mm-hmm. So we've got mm-hmm. to understand that all, not all choices are, are the same, right? So true. So what made you decide to go into personal development? Well, again, kind of like I was saying at the beginning, it's kind of funny because (laughs) I kind of fell into it. (laughs) I had no idea (laughs) that I was going to be involved in personal development. Uh, A lot of my background, a lot of my desire, um, you know, obviously I've always loved movies. So that's kind of what led me to make movies. But I really didn't know what I was going to do (laughs) as a career or anything. I was lost, right? So I, yeah. I was quite young when I started this journey. I started at 19, and that's kind of when I started the interviews with people. And mm-hmm. almost immediately, people wanted me to come out and speak and say, hey, you know, what did, again, like I say, some of these big names teach you? What did you learn from, say, the CEOs of Fruit of the Loom or Southwest mm-hmm. Airlines? Or, like, what did you learn? And so I started speaking about that. And um, the thing that was kind of interesting about it is as I started speaking about that, I actually had a fun time. It was, mm-hmm. it was valuable for me because I was also a learner and, mm-hmm. um, you know, because now I was a teacher, I could kind of see how this all fit together. I could begin to see again how, um, you know, really I, I could make a difference for people. And the funny thing is, is uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know this was a job. It's not like when you're in high school, you go into the guidance counselor and he says, hey, right. you should be a, a teacher, a trainer, a speaker. You know, in fact, I, I right. have a feeling that when I, like, I don't remember the exact conversation, but when I was chatting with right. my guidance counselor, I have a feeling he was more or less thinking, you know, um, you're probably going to really struggle. <laughs> right? and, uh, you know, you, you, you've got ADD, HD, which is ADD in high definition, and we can't keep you focused. Your, your marks in school and your grades in school are certainly not average. They're far below. And yeah. um, we're not sure. Best of luck. Shake your head out the door. Right. So I just didn't know what I said. And so, you know, when this opportunity to teach came along, because I've always, I, I think here's, here's maybe the interesting lesson in this too. Is that yeah. When I went to school, I wasn't interested to learn what they wanted me to learn because I couldn't mm-hmm. really see how it connected to real life. I couldn't see mm-hmm. how it connected to my life and how it was relevant. And so, therefore, I was not a good student. But as soon as I went out on my own learning the things that I wanted to learn, you know, sitting with people who, you know, were former presidents of companies, people mm-hmm. who were former presidents of countries, 
people who had won gold medals or, like I said, created Academy Award-winning movies. Now I was interested. Right. Now they had my attention. But I could also ask the questions that I found valuable. So when I did that, all of a sudden my learning really took off. And then when I coupled that with the ability to teach it to people who were just as curious as I was, it became mm-hmm. fulfilling for me. And certainly financially rewarding, but really the fulfilling nature of it, the um, the excitement behind it, the power behind it. And, you know, I'm not just talking the power for me, but to see the changes in the lives of others, it was really, um, you know, an, an incredible thing for me to be able to participate in, right? So I was very excited that <laughs> I found my place in the world. Hooray, right? <laughs> so that's that's, that's kinda, terrific, kinda it though. came about. Yeah, that was terrific because I think you somehow got into your brilliant zone very early on in life. And then the unique thing about it, what fuels it at that time was the power of curiosity. I think so. Actually, it's interesting that you mentioned that power of curiosity uh, Mm -hmm. because it's funny. All the success books that we read, they often talk about things like goal setting and time management and all of these things. But the one power, well, there's a couple powers they don't talk about. One of them is gratitude. Okay, so very mm-hmm. few success books talk about gratitude, and all top achievers have it. But the other is curiosity. And it's right. so interesting that when I'm networking with people at a high level versus those at a low or a no or a slow level is what I call it, right? Um, I find that, um, that those kinds of people at, at the high, high levels are extremely curious. And when you come to a networking event, for example, with the lower level people, generally they're there to sell things and they're there to talk about themselves. And often there's insecurity mm-hmm. and you've got people that are faking it till they make it and all these right, kinds of things. Right. But, w- but when you get to the high level, people are genuinely curious. They're right. always in what I call a state of market research and always a state in trying to understand what's you know, going on and what people are doing mm-hmm. and everything else. In fact, I'll never forget the first time that I met Frank McGuire, who became like mm-hmm. almost like my grandpa, right? He, w- he was one of the co-founders <laughs> of Federal Express, by the way, the former yeah. VP of marketing for KFC and American Airlines. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that, uh, he was a personal philosophy teacher for Marilyn Monroe. He worked in the White House under Lyndon B. Johnson at JFK. In fact, he helped get JFK elected. And, you know, as, as the first time that I, I met him, I was watching him from a distance. And uh, everybody else in the room, you know, trying to talk about themselves and share who they are. And then mm-hmm. suddenly with him, I just noticed he was listening. That's, that's all he did is he was listening. The power you know, of I, listening I, is very, very important. Indeed it is. So true. I mean, that's fascinating what you share, because I think sometimes in our world now, we lack the curiosity of actually learning first about ourselves being able to know what our zone is, like you say, in terms of sitting in our own limits, or are we focusing on our brilliant zone versus our limited zone? (laughs) Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is as I interviewed the top achievers around the world, um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that I've noticed, like I said, kind of early, and I, and I don't mean for this to be a disrespect or a criticism. No, 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 not at all. With, with mm-hmm. good intentions, but they're teaching kind of the wrong answers, right? Like mm-hmm. they're teaching people the wrong thing. And yeah. um, one of the things, like I said, is to get out of your comfort zone. And right. the truth is, is that just never works. One of the other things that I think is interesting is you see a lot of people right now, uh, especially mm-hmm. on the internet, are talking about um, hustle and grind and get up early right. at 5 a.m., be part of the 5 a.m. club, and then go to bed late and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but the problem is they're not teaching you what to do. They just say get up early. Yeah, they're not yeah. teaching you what you should be doing. And, you know, while most, um, you know, coaches and gurus are saying you must take action, take massive action. Actually, that's not true <laughs> either. We need to right. take deliberate action. 
right? That's productivity right. isn't a matter of doing more. It's a matter of doing the right things. And That's it's right. also a matter, quite frankly, our whole goal in life, like I'm sure your goal is the same as my goal. It's actually to mm-hmm. gain back my time so that I can spend it with those that I like, like my family and those that I love, mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. the things that I love, and also have the income that I would normally get had I been working a full-time job. And so that really only comes when we understand the power of deliberate action or activity and understanding the powers of leverage, how to use systems and delegation and automation to really create freedom in our life. And I think that, again, this really does all start with our thoughts. So we are going full mm-hmm. circle with this, right? Because most people mm-hmm. don't think that way. They, they think linear because in school we've been trained that we need to become good employees. And we've also been told, uh, you know, so often – about time being attached to money. For example, minimum wage right. per hour is what someone gets paid, or even the word of overtime, or right, like everything money conversation that we've ever had in our programming has been we've got to give up and make sacrifices so that we can you know, accumulate an income. And so right. it's just really that whole paradigm shift that we need. We need to see that the programming we've been given uh, in the past is not quite correct, especially with right. the technology available today. Um, I mean, we're being trained as though we're living in the early 1900s. You know, so much has changed since then, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, uh, I used the example the other day with someone. I thought this was kind of a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, most of us can remember our very first cell phone. Think back to that. If you're like right. me, mine was a big brick. <laughs> and my second one was kind of this, this flip phone. And I'll never forget, right. it had like four, right. four ringtones and Tetris right. on it. That was it, right? That right. was my, right. my first or second cell phone. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is most of us are still trying to operate through life as though we were, you know, old cell phones. <laughs> sure. right? That's our old sure. programming. And, and if mm-hmm. you were to use an old cell phone like that, that's got no camera, no internet connection, uh, none of the other resources there, none of the apps that are available to you, you'd probably be running a lot further behind than most of the other people with a cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. But most of us run our life that way with old programming. So we say, listen, this is the way that it always is. This is the way it's always been. This is who we are, and this is who we're going to die as, mm-hmm. right? This is who we're going to be throughout <laughs> all creation. And it was kind of funny because I, I was chatting with a friend of mine. He, 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 he's a really close friend. He mentors me about every week, and he's about uh, worth about $800 million. He's a 75-year-old mm-hmm. man. And um, as we're sitting one day, he said to me this. He said, you know, when you believe something, the word believe, he says, you're believing a lie. And he explained then that, yes, there are some laws that are always going to be true, like the law of gravity. Your opinion doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you believe about it. It is a law. But there are right. some things that you believe that will limit you. And then he pointed out that, you know, that there's more than one way to make a million dollars. Like there's probably a million ways to make a million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But when you believe that there's only one way, you cut off every other possibility. And now if we take that out of the context of money, just anything else, any other success, mm-hmm. any other mm-hmm. way to do things, any other way to make things happen, right? When we believe something, we often cut off only like all the other possibilities and say there's only one way. And I think that that's one of the cool things that I learned when, uh, you know, meeting with the top achievers is that many of them are so teachable. They're ready mm-hmm. to be taught a new way. They're ready to be shown alternate solutions. In fact, I was sitting in the living room one time of Bill Farley, who was the former president of and CEO of Food and Little Underwear. He also owned mm-hmm. Christian Dior for a while and Chicano Sportswear, California Citrus, and he was the owner of the Chicago White Sox uh, baseball team. 
Um, so we were sitting in his living room, and I, I was talking to him about this business idea. And I'll mm-hmm. never forget, he did not give me an answer. Instead, mm-hmm. he quickly picked up his phone, hit a couple buttons, five people walked in. And he then <laughs> had me explain again my idea to these five people. When mm-hmm. this idea was now explained to these people, then they gave their ideas, they gave their advice, their feedback, and that's when he decided to answer me. So in other mm-hmm. words, you know, he didn't feel like he had all the answers. And, and it's kind of like you've heard that old saying, you can be rich or you can be right. Well, people right. who choose to be right and do it on their own and come up with just their own ideas and answers, they're always mm-hmm. deficient, right? Because right. they've only got themselves to count on. And if you've never been highly successful, if you're just counting on yourself, you're getting advice from a bad source, right? right. <laughs> An right. incomplete right. source if, if you're trusting just yourself. You know, if you look at right. all successes throughout the history of the world, everything has always been done by a team. It's never been an individual. Right. All major accomplishments have been a team. So the question is, is how can we now start leaning on a team to help us? And that's kind of what made my success. In fact, one more quick thought on this before yeah, I pass, yeah. pass it back to you. Um, you know, I'll never forget when I was a young man, I wanted, I wanted to start a business, right? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, my idea around the business, uh, I took it to a friend of mine that was a multi-billionaire. I was hoping that he might even invest and all that kind of stuff. And so I started asking questions like, what should I do? What can I do? How will I do this? All the mm-hmm. I questions. And so he stopped me and he says, you know, you'll never be successful. I can already tell you. It's going to be limited success. <laughs> you're feel. I was like, what? That's kind of a mean thing to say. I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, you're asking all the selfish questions. And I said, what does that mean? And he goes, you're asking, what can I do? How can I do? Blah, blah, blah. He says, you want to be successful? Just switch one question. Switch it to who? Not what mm-hmm. can I or how can I? Switch it to who? I said, what do you mean by that? He mm-hmm. goes, now you need to ask, who will do this for you? Who can help you with this? Who can answer these questions? Who can get this done? Who can do that? Blah, blah, blah. All the who questions. And so mm-hmm. if you think about it, that's really a big limiting thing for most entrepreneurs is they're very inclined to try and solve all the problems on their own, where what right. they should really be doing is assembling a dream team, a team supreme, letting things go, stepping into your brilliant zone, the things that you're not comfortable with or good at, give them to somebody else. That's what you mm-hmm. need to do. So true. I agree with that completely because coming from a position of former chief operating officer, I completely agree. And you talk about having the good life at that time. I mean, let me put it this way. I work a 40-hour work week that what's supposed to be a 60-hour work week. So that's a 20-hour <laughs> difference well, in terms you, you of... You know what's funny? <laughs> even with the work week kind of thing, I've got a new book yeah. that I'm working on right now. This is going to yeah. blow a lot of people away. Um, and, and no disrespect to people who do like yeah, yeah, four-hour yeah. work week and all these things. I love Tim. Tim's got awesome content. Yeah. But I generally, like I set up systems and then I, I work with people to do it. And I generally have about a six-minute day. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. my next book, and I'm going to teach those systems. Obviously, you have to set that up in the beginning. It's not oh, something sure, that, sure. you know, you just start that way. But um, right, right, we've got right. some really cool tools. And right. funny enough, I know we're talking about how thoughts become things right now, but one of the things that really was a blessing to me as I went mm-hmm. out and, and I interviewed the top 400 achievers was that they mm-hmm. showed me how money is made through systems, not time, not education. It's Precisely. not the smartest guy in the room. It's systems. And so as mm-hmm. I learned to build those systems, I was able to develop quite a bit of passive income strategies for myself. 
Um, and, and by the way, everybody frowns on passive income because they just see it's all over the internet. Everybody <laughs> says that you need to build a funnel and all this stuff. And, and those are good resources for passive income. But passive income has been around since the beginning of time, long, long before the internet, right? So right. The true title of it should be called leveraged income because it's using mm-hmm. systems to build income. And if you right. Google right now, number one passive income coach, you're going to see me there. Money Magazine just rated me as the number one passive income coach. But it's not my fault. Why? It's because I learned it from the 400 achievers. That's exactly how they build multi-billion dollar companies. The only difference is those guys still like to work really hard. They show up in the office every day. I personally don't think that's the way I want to spend my life, but everybody Mm -hmm. has their options. And when you, of course, you know, have the income streams built through systems, you don't have to be there, right? You don't have to be part of that. It's a choice. It's a choice. Absolutely. Conscious choice. Conscious choice. Yes. Yeah. So true. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Douglas Vimarine. Douglas is the producer and director of three out of the top ten personal development movies ever made. The Opus, The Gratitude Experiment, and The Treasure Map. His latest film, how Thoughts Become Things premiered this past April. ABC Television and Fox News refer to him as the modern-day Napoleon Hill. Douglas is a regular featured expert on Fox, CNN, ABC, NBC, CTV, and CBC. Currently, his program, Personal Power Mastery, is rated as number three in the world for the most powerful personal development seminars. And his Personal Power Mastery book is an international bestseller. We're having a conversation about his remarkable life's journey, his film, How Thought Becomes Things, and how you can achieve your goals and succeed in life using the techniques shared in the movie. Doug, why do we have a problem in terms of making a decision, in terms of what we want to get done? Well, I, I think, again, you know, I mean, we can start by saying it's programming, and that's definitely mm-hmm. true. But I think one of the biggest things, like if we're making it real practical, easy for everybody to figure out right now, the way I'd mm-hmm. like to answer that question is this. Most people don't understand the chronology of how decisions work. What do I mean by that? I mean that they make their decisions based on where they are now rather than mm-hmm. where they want to be, but they've got the chronology confused because decisions always have to do with the future, not the present. So let me give Mm -hmm. an example. Someone is given an opportunity, right? They need to now make Mm -hmm. a decision. Well, the first thing they say is, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. I don't know enough. Uh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have the right connections, blah, blah, blah. You fill in the blank. Every answer right right now is built on lack, but they're doing it based on their current circumstance, right? So this is Mm -hmm. where I currently am. I don't have enough time, money, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, is all decisions are based on the future. So we need to make decisions based on what we want, not where we are. You see, if you want Mm -hmm. to have more money or more time or more opportunity, we need to start by making a new decision. That's really the whole crux of the matter. So I think that the, you know, the challenge is, is for most people also, they answer too quickly, right? So immediately Mm -hmm. they come out and they say, You know, uh, here's the excuse. Your mind first goes to why it can't be done. Because in the past, it's kept you safe to say, no, thank you, to maintain the status quo, to stick with where you're at, to stay doing the same thing. And so generally speaking, 
most people, again, they look at what they're doing now rather than what they would really like to have. And that keeps them mm-hmm. making, I think, poor decisions. So true. It's amazing. Where can someone go to see the movie? That's the fun question. So obviously <laughs> the name of the title, How Thoughts Become Things. Well, you can head over to howthoughtsbecomethings.com right now. And if you head there today, currently we actually have some free bonuses and goodies for you, including a workbook and some audios and some other things when you get a chance to watch the movie. Wonderful. And by the way, I went to that site and I did download everything. I signed up for it and I'm looking forward to working on the workbook. What I like about it, watching the movie and I go through the outline that you have that sort of like you can pause and answer the oh, question. Excellent. So yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love By the that. way, the one thing that we did decide to do with the workbook and, and why mm-hmm. we've included those kinds of things, I, I, I think there's a lot of great movies, including my other movies as well. They're great. You need to see them. But the mm-hmm. one thing that I recognize even in our past movies that we've done, people mm-hmm. watch them. They kind of say, hey, that's exciting. They get a few good ideas. But oftentimes with movies like this, it's different than, say, a Hollywood-style film. You should be taking notes. You should be mm-hmm. looking at how you can implement this. These movies are designed to change you, expand your possibilities, and give you opportunities and to help you level up. And I find that, uh, you know, with a workbook and some of the other resources that are alongside it, it makes the movie more of an experience rather than right. something that you'll view. So true. I've always come from the perspective of I'm wanting to watch and learn listen to learn rather than in anticipation to reply kind of thing. So when I have an opportunity to see this presentation, that's my mindset. And as I mentioned to you, it gives me the opportunity to go back and sort of, uh, oh, okay, that one, I didn't do so good. This one, great. I noticed that I sort of let my passion, that emotions take the lead, so to speak. (laughs) Well, absolutely. And I think the other thing too to recognize is, you know, with films like this, because they're based on our thoughts and our experiences mm-hmm. and creating things, we're going to always be, you know, experiencing different thoughts. And as we have experiences in life, our perspectives and our viewpoints are going to change and expand. And, and again, even with our things, the things that we want will change and expand. What we want today mm-hmm. is different than what we're going to want to experience tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So true. If you can summarize it from a perspective of what would you like for the audience to learn and gain from watching the film? That's a great question. I think one of the uh, powerful things for me, and by the way, what I think they should learn isn't really important as much as what they need to learn. And as mm-hmm. they watch it, they'll come up with some of their own answers. But one of the things that I thought was really for me, a big aha as I thought about this, and we mm-hmm. kind of did this also in the logo. So if you mm-hmm. see uh, our logo, the lesson is there. How thoughts become things. How thoughts and things are actually all written at the same size. They're always clear and obvious. And a lot of people are asking about this idea of, okay, with thoughts, how do I control them? How do I overcome fear? How do I, right? So those things are common questions. People are asking, how do I think more positively? How do I control my focus? How do I stay focused with goals that matter, right? And Mm -hmm, also a lot mm -hmm. of people talk about things, right? We talk all the time about things that we want. And so, you know, the, the thing about things too, though, is that things are always existing, right? If you want a yeah. Ferrari, your thoughts technically are not creating it. It exists. And you can, you can, you know, go buy one today if you want, right? Like it exists. 
So, right. So things, again, we talk about that a lot. So it's the same size. But the small word, the subtle word that's there is become. And that has a lot to do with the changes that we need to make. In fact, Jim Rohn once said that if you win the lottery, you need to learn to become a millionaire really fast, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's this idea, too, about, you know, in the secret, they're saying everything vibrates at a frequency. Well, That's correct. you need to get on the same frequency to be able to attract that. So that also has a lot to do with change, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot of the answers that we need to uh, really discover in terms of creating better things out of what we're thinking about always comes down to this change. What will you become, right? What will you really become? And I think mm-hmm. that's the important question that I hope people understand. So true. Very, very true. Is there anything that thought cannot create? I think that's a great question. Um, I think the interesting thing that uh, is maybe surprising is what it actually can create that we thought maybe it couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what I mean by that is even the idea of influence and connection to other people, our own thoughts really have far more power than generally we give credit to them for. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as things that they really cannot create or don't create, um, I think the one thing they can't do is they can't bend universal law. So, for example, going back to this idea <laughs> of gravi- gravity and stuff like that, they can't bend yeah. it, but they can utilize it to make the appearance of bending it. So, for example, an airplane can fly even though mm-hmm. – Everything to do with gravity says it, you know, that things like right. that, that mass of that size, that scale should not be able to. But we've proven that with the appropriate thoughts, we actually can find ways to even sort of bend those rules, if you will. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a mm-hmm. good way to describe it, right? Mm-hmm. So true. What's interesting is that when I see the concept of thoughts cannot create, and I'm looking at, well, you know what? I've always been a solution-oriented person. So that's what's driving mm. me to solve things. So even in management, uh, in any yeah. situation, so to speak, give me solutions. Tell me. And then we modify the situation for lack of a better term, support the solution because we want a solution. That's it. So yeah. nothing cannot be solved, so to speak. That's interesting that you say that too because I think the, the thing that's kind of interesting you say, is there anything that cannot be created by thought? And some people mm-hmm. then also raise the question, well, what about that haven't been invented yet, right? Mm-hmm. How will those mm-hmm. thoughts arrive if we don't have that? And the truth is, is that those inventions, if you will, are mm-hmm. actually the result of, uh, you know, of, of things that do exist right now. For example, either the challenges or the energy or the convergence right. of things that will make new right. possibilities, right? everything has the ability to, to be created in, in some form or another. And I also yeah. like this idea mm-hmm. of becoming a problem solver, right? Because mm-hmm. all uh, top achievers that I ever interviewed were actually problem solvers. And I think this mm-hmm. is something that's really kind of a, an interesting thing too. Again, going back to what some of the gurus miss, and you'll remember I said this in the movie, a lot of the gurus out there right now are saying you need to eliminate toxic people from your life. Right mm-hmm. now, I mm-hmm. I agree. Abusers need to be removed from your life. An abuser is someone that is different than a toxic person, though. Right? Abuse is different. But most of the time, you know, when these doers are talking about eliminating toxic people, they have no idea what they're talking about. In fact, all the top achievers that I interviewed, they didn't run from problems. They're problem solvers, and so therefore, when a toxic person appears, they don't eliminate them. They just understand how to manage them better. 
So in other words, if you want to expand what you have in your life, you need to expand who you are, which means you even have to develop skills to dealing with people that don't always make you feel good. Now, the interesting mm-hmm. thing about toxic people is there's really two kinds that are out there. <laughs> now, one of them is obviously a complainer. There's not much right. you can do with a complainer because they show up. They don't even have a solution like what you're talking about. They just complain. Right. And right. the truth is, is if you are grounded in who you really are and want to be and you're authentic to your truest self, you mm-hmm. can recognize a complainer and you can build boundaries around yourself. You don't have to like and subscribe to what they're saying using social media and jargon. You don't have to endorse or embrace what they're saying. Just because someone's complaining doesn't mean you have to jump on the bandwagon. So that's true. That's one way to deal with a toxic person. Now, the other right. toxic person that we often see is what we call a critic. And we dismiss critics too early. The truth is, is, is a critic is different than a complainer in the sense that a critic often comes with facts. Sometimes mm-hmm. they also come with a solution. The big challenge, though, <laughs> is just that sometimes they're not always a good communicator. Right, right, right. But oftentimes what they're saying we need to hear. Like I look back, you're talking earlier today about you know my, my younger years. Well, everyone mm-hmm. has had this experience. In your younger years, you had someone who loved and cared about you come and tell them you need to come and tell you you need to pull up your socks, maybe even stop hanging up with you know the friends mm-hmm. that, that you had. And, mm-hmm. and do better. Well, that mm-hmm. hurt my feelings when I heard that, but I did need to hear it. <laughs> it was something that was true. And, you know, when a critic comes along, again, many times the things that they have to say will save us heartache and pain. I think right. there's a real difference, again, between top achievers and those who are not is those who are not often let their ego tell them that everyone is toxic if they're trying to help. Rather right, than, right, right. You know, top achievers are teachable. Again, back to the idea of curious. They're willing right. to learn. They're willing to stretch. And they're willing to sometimes say, I might be wrong. It comes back to that old saying that says, you can be right or you can mm-hmm. be rich. And I'm not right. just talking about money here. I'm talking <laughs> about rich in every sense of the word. Most people right. rather keep their ego intact and tell other people, go away, you're toxic. That's not right. Right. You brought up something very important because when you talk about really getting an honest feedback, that's a different ball game because I tell people this in my presentation. I say, I can be down on my knees. I'm still over you. And I don't mean being disrespect. But what I mean is mm. that I'm here to listen to what you have to say. And actually, I like to hear the other side of the coin because I did not see that. So I want to know what was on the other side of the coin. Yeah. That's my take on it. Yeah, and I think here's, here's the idea again, back to this idea that life, we're most happy when we have more choice. The more choice we have, the better things are going to be for us. And so when we're willing to listen to people, we actually have more choices presented to us. We have more choices available to us. And so there's power in that. So that's my suggestion is we've got to find a way to really become teachable, and that will allow our programming to change, our thoughts to change, everything will change, and ultimately your results will. Because we, mm-hmm. you, you've heard the saying that says that you've got to learn before you can earn, right? You can't learn it. Mm-hmm. If you don't learn it, you won't be able to earn it. And I think that that's an important thing to consider, too, is that, you know, the minute that we limit ourselves, it's kind of like, think about the universe. Ever since the Big Bang, right, the universe has been in expansion mode. It's been expanding and growing. If you even look at a tree, it's growing. Grass, it's growing. Flowers, they're growing. And if you're the guy who says, I'm not willing to grow, I'm not willing to learn. I'm not willing to listen to someone else. I'm, I'm always right, and this is the way that I look at things. Well, you're actually fighting against the entire universe, right? <laughs> Working against everything that is in expansion mode. 
And the first right. thing that will happen is you can't possibly be satisfied or happy when you're going to say that this is the only way to do things, right? right. You limit yourself right. so much. So true. Tell us a little bit about all the guests that you have in this movie. They are obviously world-famous thought leaders, and mm. they are your friends, obviously. <laughs> What's so nice about it is this, being able to get all of them together. Yeah. Respectfully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what's interesting, as, as this has been our, our fourth movie now, we've gotten, how should we say, uh, a little bit of practice at how to assemble some of these people. Um, and, and you're right, they are such good friends. And so I feel so blessed, number one, to have them as peers and, and people that would be willing to, to get involved and help us build such a project, right? So that's, that's really a, a big blessing. But gathering them, like when I did my first movie, The Opus, Wow, we flew to Chicago, to San Diego, to Las Vegas, to Los Angeles, to Canada, Calgary, Alberta, to Edmonton, to all over the world to shoot this thing, uh, the first movie. And it was, you know, it was fun. It was an adventure, right? And, um, you know, you just got to kind of sometimes, how should we say, get these people wherever you can because they're busy people too, right? And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we've now just kind of built it to a little bit better of a system where we can uh, gain access to them. And because they're friends, the funny thing is, is many of the times <laughs> they're now speaking at my own events, my events. And so, uh, like, for example, John, John Martini is one of my best friends. And so I just said, John, you know, I'm, you want to come speak at my event and I'm going to shoot for, for this next film at the same time. And I can't remember where yeah. we shot. John and I have done uh, London together. We've done South Africa together. We've done parts of Canada together, et cetera. And so that was an easy way to do it. And then like with Bob Proctor, Bob's a really good friend. And he wrote the forward on my last three books as well. He was in the graduate experiment with us. And so for Bob, I just decided, you know, um, well, actually what happened is Bob said, well, why don't you come down and you can participate in my event Paradigm Shift. I was like, I've mm-hmm. never been to Paradigm Shift. That'll be fun. So I'm going to go and <laughs> sit in on his seminar. And so what I did is I arrived a day or two early, and then Bob and I just hung out, and we shot and got everything ready for that. And then I participated in his event. So, mm-hmm. you know, each one's kind of a little bit different. And then people like Marina Bruni, I, I went out to the U.K. I do a lot of stuff in London in the U.K., and so mm-hmm. we shot Marina out there. And, and she came to one of my events, and I shot her there. So, you know, each one of them is pretty different. Um, we, we just try and capture it as best as we can. But I, I think the thing that is kind of neat, like the, how should we say, the, the challenge with these films, for me, right? Man, I get mm-hmm. to spend the full day with some of these people. I get to ask them any questions that I want. We get to talk about, you know, the subject matter, in this case, how thoughts become things in a very deep way. And then I have the challenge of figuring out what I'm going to put in the movie. Because sometimes mm-hmm. the conversation, like I've got to make the movie strong enough so that one who's well-versed in this material feels like it's valuable, but I've also got to make some of it accessible for people that may not have experienced the material, right? And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. you know, choosing, and, and then you've got like 11 speakers to deal with. So I've got like, you know, 11 times like 12 hours <laughs> worth of material to go through. Like, you know, I could do a mini series, really. I could have a full yeah. season of material, right? Right. But right. Um, it's a blessing. It really is a blessing. Certainly, we've got more films that we'll be doing after this. This one's been really well received. We're so grateful for all the support and every everybody that's you know interested in it and and so forth. Um, but it's it's one of these things where um, you know I mean how, how do I say this? I just feel blessed, right? Like I just feel mm-hmm. blessed mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of what we're able to share through films like this. 
what I like about the entire presentation is that there is a link to each individual in their areas of expertise mm. contribute to let people know this is a process. And as such, Very having the opportunity to go through that process and having different people, different areas of expertise in telling you how to achieve your success from a receiving end. How about that? From a person who watched yeah, and listened and learned, it gives me great comfort. Yes, I agree with that too. Yes. Yeah, definitely true. Definitely true. Well, you, you know, one of, the, one of the things that's also a blessing, actually, you know, this is an interesting experience I should maybe share with you that you find interesting. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things is after the movies come out and I get a chance to share them with people, um, the experience of, of how they feel about it is really quite fun. And, and naturally, you know, with what's going on with COVID, we haven't been able to do our premieres like we normally do. Normally sure. we go sure. uh, into a movie theater and we share it in a movie theater experience with everyone. And that's really quite fun. But this right. time, obviously, we've been sharing it online. So we've been getting lots of um, emails and uh, comments and things through social media of people who've enjoyed the film. But I got one specific one that was really kind of special to me. So mm -hmm. it was a young man, actually, an 11-year-old boy, who emailed me and said that he'd just seen the film and he was grateful for the sections in it on overcoming fear. And what mm -hmm. he said is he said, mm -hmm. you know, when I was in school, I was bullied. And I was afraid mm -hmm. almost every day walking home. He says, and not only that, but I wasn't really a great student, and I was afraid that I wouldn't succeed in school and mm -hmm. that I wouldn't really get the career or the options that I wanted. And then he said, and now that COVID is here, he said, you know what? Most of the conversations thus far have been targeted to adults. No right. one has really talked to us kids. They said about you know, the finances and what the government's doing and all the social distancing mm -hmm. measures and all of these things. And he said, no one's talked to us kids about this. We don't really, like, we're all afraid. And then he said, and when I see adults who are afraid and acting in fear, I'm even more afraid. Mm -hmm, and so he mm -hmm. said that he was just thankful for the film because it helped him to recognize what fear really is and then to make really some ideas and strategies in his mind about how he can be less afraid. And he found that that was, for him, valuable. And, and I, I'll tell you, when I got that, that email, I just felt like, wow, I was so excited that um, you know, the film made a difference <laughs> for him like that. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Please share with us, again, the website on where they can watch the movie and all the trimmings that comes with it. Yeah, for sure. So right now, the best place to go is www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. Again, that's www.howthoughtsbecomethings.com. And there you've got all kinds of great gifts. There's even, uh, funny enough, some additional bonuses that are in there that you can access even beyond the movie in the capacity of upsells. In fact, if you like some of the things that I've talked about today, we've actually even just launched a new program called Seven Days to Success. And in seven days, I'll be able to really help you build a transformation based on some of the things that I learned from some of the world's top achievers. So you've got mm -hmm. these top thought leaders sharing with you how thoughts become things, but then there's other tools that are within that will help you really be able to connect with yourself in a high level and start achieving the things that you really want. So it, it's Wonderful. very exciting. Very, very exciting. What is next for you? Wow, what's next for me? <laughs> you know, it, it's really funny because, you know, right now with COVID going on, it's not like I can really head out and do a lot of events. But we've yeah. got um, a really big um, online seminar that we are going to uh, be doing with a lot of the top thought leaders around the world. 
And uh, I've got some uh, books that I'm working on right now. In fact, one of them is, is we're working on the book version for the film. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully that will, uh, that will be out, we're thinking, by November. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then I'm just excited to hopefully soon get back out and start meeting with people again. I just love people. I love the events we do. And mm-hmm. I, I really miss it, I'll be honest. I really do miss it. <laughs> very, very interesting. Well, our show is about people, family, and living life. Would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? A recipe for living? Wow, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I think, quite frankly, um, you know, there's, there's so much that could be said there, right? But if we were mm-hmm. to kind of sum it up, I would say it, it really can come down to this. Remember earlier in the show, we talked about happiness is a choice, but right. it's also being satisfied with the consequence of the choice. So the recipe for living is this. What I discovered is that all choices based on immediate gratification lead to sorrow or at least lead to less. So the question that we need to really kind of talk about is, are the choices that you're making leading and creating you to the consequences that are really going to provide you the most happiness and value? And if they're not, then you need to revisit those. And I think most people also don't have a clear view on what consequences they're trying to create, what will make you happy. Kind of reminds me of what Stephen Covey said. Stephen once said, many people climb the ladder of success only to mm-hmm. find it's leaning against the wrong wall. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure that out first. We need to really decide ahead of time what it is that we would like to um, achieve, what we really want to create. And once we can start seeing that and understanding that, then we have the power to start creating it. I think that's important. Fantastic. Doug, one last thing. Now you have people that watch the movie. Is there a common factor that's holding people from taking actions? Because without action, there's no decision. Yeah. And again, I I think it's interesting if you look at action, like, again, a lot of this comes down to our programming. But if we really look at it, there's a couple of essentials that are required to take action. These are the essentials. Number one, the brain, the human brain will only get started on things that it feels optimistically that it could or can do, not the things that it might do, right? So Mm -hmm. if if it believes that we can do this and we can get started, it'll get started. The second thing is is the human mind will only get started with things that it's emotionally connected to. And so, Mm -hmm. again, um, and that could be good or bad, by the way, because we sometimes get really emotional when we do bad things, (laughs) right? Like think of traffic, (laughs) you honk your horn, you get mad, right? Yeah. But we only do get activated on things that are emotionally strong for us. And then the Mm -hmm. other thing that I think is important is we really only, again, develop habits and things that provide value to us where we see the value in it. And so we really need to recognize kind of, again, what it is that we really, really, truly want. And that will lead us to our highest kinds of actions, right? So again, what we Mm -hmm. can do, what we value, and also what we're emotionally excited about. And again, all these thoughts, they land in a set of programming that we already have, just like we kind of Mm -hmm. talked about that. And so if we believe already in advance that our programming says that, nah, you can't do this, it's not going to work, there's no point, when those thoughts arrive within our, you know, uh, programming, one of them mm-hmm. will already have a bias. One of them will already have, um, you know, power to begin. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, you know, for most people, they have a bias of disbelief rather than a belief of power. And so right. I think the, quick, the quickest way to really change that that I've experienced 
you remember this idea, you become like the five people you spend the most time with. Not spent. It doesn't matter who you spent with time with in the past or where you were. Right. It's your current, right. your spend, who you spend with today. It's your right. current network that makes the difference. So right. my advice is, is find a way to level that up. And as you level up the network, you'll find that your standards will level up. And we generally do more for others than we will for ourselves. So, right. Right. If we have a good group around us, it becomes so much easier to find that power. Right. So true. You got to get people that draws the best out of you every day. Correct. Correct. You definitely do. Yeah. And it has to be every day, not just every once right. in a while. Right? <laughs> once in a while, not enough. Right. So true. Well, Doug, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, June 16th. My guest will be Kimberly Meredith. Kimberly is one of the world's top emerging medical intuitive and hands-on healer. She is known for her eye-blinking technique that enables her to scan for disease and heal it. Kimberly and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her continued work with COVID-19 patients by Skype to eliminate their symptoms. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Doc, it's been a true pleasure, sir. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you. It's been fun being with you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.